Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another show, another podcast. You're probably thinking to yourself, wow, Tom, your voice sounds a little distraught, a little tore up, a little raspy. Well, that's because I just sat through a three-hour football game here in Minnesota and had my heart broken once again by the Detroit Lions. But I'm going to put on a brave face for you all, and we're going to give you guys a banger of a podcast. So this is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. All righty. Well, we are joined now by recurring guest, Jimmy Norp. Uh, pleasure to have you on, Jimmy, as always. And I believe first timer, correct, with Trey Flood on the Pipe It Up podcast. Is that right? Second time. Second time. All right. Yeah. I stand corrected. He's but a uh, He's a vet. Pleasure to have you guys on, as always. Um, we are recapping now the... Vermont trip with the Cobras winning the series against the Diamondbacks in the Battle of the Snakes, two to one. Uh, crazy game three. If you guys didn't watch the video, obviously go check it out. But we got a lot to talk about in this interview. Um, and I just wanted to kind of start it off with your guys' thoughts on the series. So um, if we could kind of jump to Jimmy, you know, this was a little bit different series for the Diamondbacks. Obviously, you guys had secured the third position in the NL for the playoffs. So you didn't have much to play for, um, but obviously still wanted to be competitive. What was your sort of mindset or goal for your team going into this, you know, destination series that we had in Vermont? Yeah. So our plan going into the series was, you know, I was going to throw game one at field of dreams, kind of keep myself loose for the playoffs, give Casey game two, because I've been trying to get Casey on the mound all year. For those who don't know, I think he can be a really good pitcher in this league. His stuff's pretty, he's got a lot of great movement, as you could see. And I thought it would also be pretty cool to give him his first ever MLW start at Wrigley Field, him being a Cubs fan and all. And then mm-hmm. game three, give it to Trey. We want to develop more for the future. Still love what I'm seeing out of Trey. I think he's going to be a great pitcher for us. His stat line uh, wouldn't be as bad as it was if his teammate knew how to catch a pop-up in left field. So that hurt him a little bit. But, uh, yeah, overall, I was very impressed with both Casey and Trey. And then we, even though the series didn't mean a lot to us, I still felt like we kind of owed the Wildcats something, you know, them sweeping the Gators and giving us an easy road in the playoffs. I, I did want to win for those guys to kind of help them out and give them a one seed. So felt bad that we couldn't get the job done there. Okay, fair enough. Obviously, Trey, as Jimmy noted, the stat line maybe uh, didn't do your performance justice, but I felt like you had some good stuff out there. You looked pretty comfortable for the most part. Um, how did you feel really in your first start? Uh, I felt pretty good going into it. Obviously, I was a little nervous. It's pretty big stage, big video. But I think I settled in pretty decently. Uh, obviously, I got stuff to improve on for the future. But that will come with time. And, you know, I'm just – obviously, it's not exactly where I want to be. But in the future, I know what I need to work on and come better at that stuff. I think it was key for uh, Jimmy just – you, as, as you, you know, kind of noted, getting the younger guys involved. I think that um, since you guys kind of already knew, you know, you'd be in the playoffs, uh, that'll pay dividends, just depth and confidence wise going into the, the playoffs. So I, I think that was a, you know, a good positive for you guys. And even though they lost the series, like you guys competed all three games um, and you, you gave Baranowski his first ever loss this year. He was 7-0, I think, going into that game. So that was a big one. Game one. Shout out to Shima. Not with us right now, but another yes. clutch hit in that guy's career. So it was just cool to see, and the whole series was competitive, which is like, of course, what fans love to watch, what we love to see. So it was a great series. What about the trip overall? Um, I This is probably Trey's first big MLW trip, I'm assuming. And uh, Jimmy, you know, you've been on a few, but, you know, what would you guys think of the whole, the whole thing, the whole weekend? Yeah, I mean, just go first. It was awesome. Playing on those three fields. It was crazy. Like, I, I made an Instagram post, I think, the other day, and I was like, you know, 12-year-old me would be pinching myself to play on those fields. And I was like, well, I guess 21-year-old me would also be pinching myself to play on those fields because it was just crazy. Like, I think, like Tom said in the intro in that video, like, that is – those are the greatest wiffle ball fields in America, mm-hmm. really. So it was pretty cool for us to be there. Trip was awesome. It's always good getting to know the MLW guys a little bit more, kind of stay a part of that MLW family. So, overall, just a great trip in general. And it was awesome to be there. Glad that Kyle gave us this one. Trey, what did you think of your first uh, destination series? Uh, for me, I personally, it, I really felt like I got to know everyone a lot better, and it really kind of helped me like settle into the league, if you know what I mean. Uh, all field, all three fields are absolutely insane. Uh, like I've seen so many pictures and like videos of them, and like 
when I was younger, I built a wiffle ball field in my backyard and I try to take inspiration from those fields. So just seeing them in person was, it was pretty crazy to me. I felt the same way. Like I've seen those fields on Google images for literally years. I said that word for word in the intro, but it's true. Like when you just Google like wiffle ball fields or wiffle ball stadiums, that's always the first thing that pops up, especially little Fenway there. So just actually being there and seeing it with my own eyes was like somewhat surreal. Like it's like, okay, I knew I like had a feeling we'd make it here eventually, but to actually be be doing it and to be recording it and seeing you guys play was like another check off the MLW bucket list. You know what I mean? And honestly, like I wanted to hear your guys' opinions on what you liked the best, but all three fields had like their own unique features to them that like it was hard for me to even pick out a favorite. Um, I feel like at first glance, I liked Wrigley the best because of how cool the wall and the ivy look with the scoreboard in the background. But in the video, like Fenway under the lights looked so cool and also the background of the Field of Dreams. So I think all three fields had their own little quirks to them that made them special in their own ways. If you guys had to pick, though, obviously they were all awesome. Uh, what would what would be your favorite field and why? Go ahead, Trey. All right, mine would be Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams is my favorite movie of all time. So playing there, like it, it's like almost an exact mini replica. So it's it's so sweet to me. I, I, I got to agree with my teammate Trey Flood there. I definitely go Field of Dreams. I mean, that movie is special. Just like the attention to detail in that field, obviously all three fields, the attention to detail is crazy, but like the stands in right field, they had the tarp out there. It was just unbelievable. And like like Trey said, that's one of my favorite baseball movies of all time for sure. Might be a little uh, reason why I gave myself that start, a little selfish there, but <laughs> yeah, it was, it was <laughs> awesome playing there. The corn in the background is just crazy. It was awesome. I, I wanted to share a little tidbit with the fans. Um, So if you couldn't tell, like, you could be deceived, I guess, from the camera angles you were seeing, but it wasn't, like, in Iowa where the field was kind of built amongst a cornfield, right? Like, in the movie, they have the cornfield, and they remove some corn and put the field in place. But in this situation, um, they have that field there, and then there is corn nearby, cornfields nearby, and they actually hand the owners of this facility, Slam T1D, that organization, they actually tr- hand-transferred all of those corn stalks the day before the series when we got there. That was all done by hand and planted, like, just for us and their tournament the following weekend. So, like, shout out to them for making that field look super sweet for when we were there. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not uh, as big of a baseball fan, I would say, as probably a lot of people in MLW. Um, I have been to Fenway Park, so I thought the Fenway replica was really cool. I thought it was sweet that you guys got to play under the lights, obviously, in that game three, um, which was such a crazy game. And uh, I think it really just capped off, you know, the whole video, how insane that game was. Um, But, you know, this series was definitely uh, about more than just wiffle ball. And uh, for you guys, you know, both specifically, it meant a lot more. So um, Jimmy or Trey, whichever one, if you guys wanted to just maybe speak generally about Slam T1D as the organization, um, and also kind of just, you know, this series as a whole and, and our affiliation with them. Yeah. So, Tom, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but Slam T1D, that organization with those fields, they, ha- they host like an annual wiffle ball tournament every year that raises money for that charity, which is pretty awesome. Like I was saying, like, I love how the way they're raising money is through something like super fun instead of something super serious. I think that's a really cool approach to it. And, like, the, we met, like, the guys who run it, and they were just super cool guys, super cool to me and Trey. They gave us a bunch of cool gear and stuff like that, and it was awesome. Like I said, MLW has given me lots of different opportunities, whether that's pitching it against Jimmy Rollins or Curtis Granderson or winning an MLW World Series with my best friends, stuff like that. But this one is right up there with all that. Like, for me, for the, for the following that MLW has given me, to be able to do something like this, that's something, like, bigger than myself, bigger than anybody – it's super cool to be able to have that opportunity. I'm sure Trey feels the same way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, coming into the series, like, obviously, no one in the league or anyone from MLW, even some people in MLW didn't even know I had diabetes at that point. So, I mean, I thought it was a really good way to just, you know, speak out. I mean, having diabetes, it's a normal thing. It could happen to anyone at any point. So I, I just thought it was special for me personally to kind of branch out and just uh, really settle in with the fact and telling other people. And I feel a lot more comfortable about it now, especially after that video. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, Trey, because, um, you know, you're a little younger than Jimmy. You're only 15. And was it kind of tougher for you? Were you nervous at all, like being interviewed and speaking about your condition and that kind of stuff? Or was it more of like an exciting opportunity for you to spread awareness? Well, uh, 
I was definitely a little nervous, but overall it was more excitement than nervous. Sweet. Would you guys say, you know, maybe you two have, have sort of felt this playing on the same wiffle ball team together, but also just meeting people, um, kind of fighting the same battles. Have you, have you guys felt some sort of sense of community amongst others who also kind of share type one diabetes, um, you know, just based on people you've met or even as teammates? Yeah. So for sure. I, I always say this, it's kind of like destiny. Like obviously when I drafted Trey, to the Diamondbacks, Trey didn't know I was a diabetic. I didn't know Trey was a diabetic, so it's just kind of crazy how it worked out. I think he actually sent me, like, a text message after, like, our first or second series. It was pretty funny. He said something like, hey, you've ever seen me, like, eating fruit snacks on the bench? Just know it's because I'm a type 1 diabetic. And I think my response was, well, if you want to bring some extra fruit snacks, don't be too shy because, like, your marriage is a type 1 diabetic, too. I That's so them. crazy. So that was, that was pretty funny. And then, <laughs> I, like, like, yeah, what you said about just, like, connecting with other people. Like, I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was nine. My sister actually got diagnosed when she was 18, and she's older than me. So I had diabetes for, like, what, five years probably before she got it, maybe more than that, six or seven. So it was kind of crazy how that works. And just, like, with this whole experience, like, the DMs I've gotten from people – like who have type one diabetes, that, that stuff like makes my day. Like, that's crazy to me. Like there's been some like emotional DMS from people and it's just super cool. Like how they're happy about what we're doing, happy about what me and Trey did stuff like that. Like the messages I've got have been awesome. So shout out to the fans who uh, sent me those messages. Cause it's been really cool. Yeah. That's super special. It was cool just to see it come together and to, um, you know, because we have this platform, right. That we have this following people that are really engaged with our content, with our players and have a love for the league. So to kind of show that more, um, you know, sentimental side and emotional side and using our platform to promote something like this, I thought was a great opportunity and one something we should do more of, right? You know, it's, it's cool to finally be able to utilize an opportunity like that. But another question I had for you guys just in general, you know, because even me, I, you know, I learned a lot on this trip and throughout this experience, but I still don't know all the details about T1D and that kind of stuff. But what other messages would you want to spread to others who have some kind of underlying condition that may not be you know, easy to spot through just seeing someone in passing, like what advice do you have for those people? So, yeah, for me, I would just say, like, I kind of send the video, like something I always regretted early on in my life was like not talking to people when I needed help. I was very dependent. I feel like even as a kid, just like wanted to do everything myself, don't need help. I can do this by myself. So like that kind of stuff. And then also just talking to people about it. Cause there's days where honestly it gets hard, like for anything, you know, diabetes, any other underlying condition you may have, like some days are harder than others. Like even I'll take, Today, for example, like my blood sugar has been high all day. It's been hard to get it down sitting here, just watching homework, doing football. So like it should just be a normal day, but it's not, you know, like it's just tough. Some days are tougher than others. So don't be afraid to talk. And like Trey said, I think Trey said a lot of really cool things in the, in the video. Like, like it's normal. Like he said he, he's 15 and like he has a hard time telling people like, Tom, you knew me for probably a year before I told you like stuff like that. Like most guys in MLW didn't know I had it either. So it's like hard to get, like tell people, but there's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's a normal thing, with, which is what Trey said. So. And Trey, you, uh, you kind of mentioned, or, uh, I guess Jimmy mentioned the, the fruit snack story. Um, how, how if at all does type one diabetes kind of affect you playing sports? Cause I know you obviously play with wiffle ball and have played, other sports so if you could just speak on that for the listeners as well uh well to be honest it sucks sometimes especially like <laughs> you'll be mid-game and you know your blood sugar will be darting low and you'll have to eat sugar so you have to sit out for 10 to 15 minutes of the game eat something get back out there and sometimes it still goes low again after that so i mean sometimes it's really tough to battle with but you know overall i think it's more Personally, I find it more of a good thing than a bad thing overall. I mean, it's taught me so much about responsibility and other things like that. So I think it's really going to help me in the future. This guy, Trey, is going places. Like, he's so well-spoken, young kid. I give you a lot of credit, Trey. You're, you're a great speaker, much better than me, who's 23. <laughs> no voice, no voice cracks agreed. either out of Trey, which is key from a 15-year-old. Oh, That's My key. voice is fighting right now, fighting. <laughs> Through the pain oh, that's funny. and physical and emotional pain. <laughs> would you would you guys say that um, kind of just along the same lines with sports? Would you say that um, obviously the the platform of MLW you know gives you guys a little bit of a way to spread some awareness? But how else has sports kind of played into your life with type one diabetes? Is it sort of kind of a 
uh, relief or like a therapy at all to you guys or um, 100%. So for me, like for the you guys who don't know, like bowling is a sport I was very into. So it's something very simple to do. You can go do it by yourself, that kind of thing. And like just stressful days, I have a bowling alley like eight minutes away from my house. I just, you know, go bowl a couple of games, take my mind off the thing, that kind of thing. So sports, sports are really my life. Like I, everything I do is around sports. So and like Trey said with diabetes, I don't know what his like low blood sugar symptoms are. It's it's kind of crazy. Like you talk to other diabetics, like all the symptoms are different. But when I'm low, the first thing that goes to me is I get really weak and shaky. So like Trey said, like if I'm standing on the mound and all of a sudden I just feel like super weak and shaky, like there's not much I could do about it. Like I got to sit down. I got to stop that kind of thing. So when it comes to sports, diabetes can be tough, but sports in general have been a great way for me to take my mind off of it in my entire life. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. And for very me, cool. like, if I, I have a rough day, sometimes obviously some days are rougher than others when it comes to T1D and like controlling your blood sugars and whatnot. But when I, like, let's say at school, I have a really pretty, pretty bad day of controlling my blood sugars. And, you know, it's just constantly working to get them back up or back down or whatever the case is. And then sometimes just like, you know, going outside after a long day and just being able to play, play in that, uh, baseball game or that soccer game or playing in a playing having basketball practice it just personally gets my mind off of it a lot and it's definitely a big help sports for sure so you guys may not have an answer to this question but um i was actually watching the video with my dad and when you know your guys's piece came on about t1d um he kind of said something interesting he was like it's really cool that you guys are kind of bringing awareness to something like this because when i was young and playing sports this wouldn't really be something that was ever talked about um so i was just kind of wondering if you guys have noticed being you know type 1 diabetics if the awareness or research has changed um kind of like you know either positively or negatively i guess uh in your time being a type 1 diabetic so from a technology standpoint, I know it's definitely changed a lot. Like when I was nine years old, we're talking every time I wanted to eat something, I had to give myself a shot, like that type of thing. Like actually draw up the insulin, put it in a syringe, take the shot. Now I have technology where luckily there's this thing I have called a PDM. I carry it around. It almost looks like a cell phone. I think Trey might have it too. Not sure. Trey might have something else, but it's, yeah, Trey's not his head that he's got yeah. it. So it's like, it's like a PDM and you change like a site that sits somewhere on your body. Mine's on the glutes. <laughs> so you put it, it's, it's, it's there and you just change it really once every three days. So that's a lot better considering once every three days instead of once every time I'm going to eat. So it's been a big difference and technology is always moving in the right direction, which is something super grateful for. Again, my doctors tell me all the time, like, Hey, keep waiting. Like stuff's coming out, new stuff's coming out, that kind of thing. So yeah, definitely technology from a technology standpoint, it's been great to see the progress that we've made. Yeah. I think Jim kind of hit it on the head there, but, uh, you know, I was diagnosed when I was four and I was the same as Jim. I had to, you know, take out the syringe, take it out of the bottle and give it, give myself a shot every time I ate anything. Um, but you know, just like Jim said, uh, my doctors always tell me like new stuff is coming out, even though it seems like it's been forever. And like, you know, some, sometimes uh, the PDM that I have is kind of difficult to use and seem might seem a little outdated. So, I mean, I think it's definitely great to hear that new stuff's coming out and hopefully one day a cure. Yeah, we hope. Um, I want to switch gears real quick. I'm a little bit more of a positive and a light note just to talk to Trey real quick before you have to take off. Um, just being drafted this year, being a rookie, being drafted by Jimmy and selected to the Diamondbacks, um, and experiencing a trip like this, you know, going out to Vermont, I'm a, sh- a place I'm sure you've never been to, I would, I would guess, and seeing these, you know, world-class fields, um, just how special of a year has it been for you, and how, how much of a whirlwind has it been mentally for you to go through this after, you know, wanting to be an MLW for a long time and running your own wiffle ball league, just how can you summarize in a few sentences um, your first year so far through the regular season in MLW? I mean, it's been absolutely incredible. It's kind of like a whirlwind. I Honestly, I haven't even really, uh, you know, seen it all come together yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure that'll come later. But, I mean, I haven't really even, like, sat down and, like, thought about what's happened. Like, I've been a fan for so long, uh, you know, since, like, my brother showed me videos when I was eight and nine years old of you guys playing in, at Colts Field and 
seeing that inspired me to play, build a field in my backyard. And then, you know, it's just crazy to see how far I've come from just, you know, playing in the backyard with my brother all the way to MLW. It's, it's crazy. Well, I think you're well on your way, Trey. And I think, uh, you couldn't be, uh, you couldn't be under a better manager. And, uh, Jimmy's obviously shown that he loves to get the the younger guys involved and, and really build that depth in the Diamondbacks organization. So I think you're in a good spot. I think you're on the right track. Thanks, for sure, Jack. For sure. Very, very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> Trey Flood, thanks for your time. I know you got to go, so we appreciate you, bro. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Thanks, you, brother. Jim, I'm not done with you yet. Still got some some bones to pick with Jim. Um, <laughs> so the Diamondbacks, the regular season's over. It's maybe wild to say. It's been a whirlwind of a summer, a fast summer. But you guys have earned yourself a spot in the postseason despite being only 5-10. and 10. And I think you'd probably consider this you know, mostly a negative year for the D-backs. Although the second half has looked brighter, which is always good. Better to be on that side of the scale than the other way. But you're going to have a tough task ahead of you with either the Eagles or the Mallards in the NLDS they'll be playing in in a few weeks. So I wanted, I want to ask a couple things. Number one is realistically, like, how are you feeling about the D-backs right now? Like, how do you like your chances? Where's your confidence at and skills at compared to last year right now? But also I want to know, Jim, is who do you want to face in that DS and why? I have to ask. So I'll answer the second part of your question first. Oh, good. <laughs> Tom, with you here, I can honestly say why we would rather face the Eagles. We uh, They're the only team we beat this year, so we got that. And that in my true. opinion, in my opinion, I actually think the Mallards are the best team in MLW right now. I think with you and Robles, it's been pretty – that's a pretty hard one-two punch to get out at the top of the order. It seems like from the Oklahoma series that I watched – Robles is starting to figure it out on the mound. He's adding some new pitches. He's got a little screwball working. So he's starting to look a lot better, which I did figure would come with with time for him. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you know, we've already we've already beat the Eagles. It's a great team, but uh, they're a little they're a little younger than us. And I feel like we kind of have that mm-hmm. um, that experience. And like like the like the Trenton boys were kind of telling me the other day, like we're a very battle tested team. We're we're five and ten, but we're battle tested. We we went through a lot this year. I think we're starting to click at the right time though you know i think there's little signs that make me feel a little bit more confident about our chances myself mm-hmm. personally on the mound my first half of the year was not at all what i wanted the second half i feel a lot more comfortable i'm throwing strikes again and in my opinion that's the biggest thing in wiffle ball i hate losing games on walks whether it's myself whether it's my teammates i always tell my guys you throw strikes and be happy with what you're doing no matter what so i'm looking better on the mound it shima's coming around at the plate you know i think shima swung the bat a lot better in vermont home run in game one, game three, he had a couple of hits, two, three hits maybe. So he's looking better than obviously Jonah can get hot at any time. We saw what he did against the Eagles. He carried us that series. He's a bat that can carry you when he gets hot. And I still do trust him on the mound as our number two if we have to go to him at some point. Mm-hmm. You want to hear my opinion, Jim, real quick? If you're curious. Yeah, I always do. I always this, do. This is how, I'll be honest with the Pipe It Up fans. I love being honest and sharing my thoughts. Um, and I don't have any shame in saying this, nor do I think does it, does it affect really anything. But because I'm pretty... Like you, Jim, I'm pretty battle-tested myself, and I feel like mentally I can keep it together no matter what. But if I had to speak my honest truth, um, I think, first of all, that you and the Eagles are both great teams. Um, However, I do think for whatever reason, based on the little sample size that I have, we seem to match up a lot better against you guys than we do the Eagles, right? We swept you guys, and they swept us. So we still have a chance to get the one seed. However, we have kind of an uphill battle. Um, But if we end up in the DS against you guys, um, I'm confident we can get it done. But then we run into the Eagles in the CS, that means. Now, if we could somehow get the edge and get the one seed somehow, some way, and get a bye, and then you guys have to face the Eagles, I like how you match up against the Eagles better. So if you guys could take care of the Eagles for me and then play us, I like our chances to make it back to the big dance. But, you know, time will tell. We'll see. But that's how I'm feeling personally. Yeah, you know, also the way I view it, though, Tom, is if we want to get to eventually where we want to get, which is back to back to the promised land, we're going to have to beat both of you guys either way. You know I know. What I'm saying? Well, that's what I'm saying, though. With my perspective, I could maybe not have to face both you guys. So in my perfect world, it's different. But yeah, you got to beat both teams anyway. So, But good luck to you, Jim. I hope we do square off at some point. I will, I will say, Jim, uh, even though Tommy is saying that he'd much rather face you guys, if there's one person all year that's been saying don't sleep on the Diamondbacks, it has been <laughs> TC3, and that's that a fact. I know you true. listen to this. I know you've been on this podcast a lot, and I know you listen to it too, but uh, myself included, I mean, we've said that you know don't let the Diamondbacks hang around um, because it's just not a team you want to let do that. 
It's and not. here, here again, you guys have snuck into the playoffs, and you know, still everything you want to accomplish is in front of you. I will um, say, Jack, I've never faced playoff gym, so that could be a different breed of gym that when I've different known from breed season, <laughs> a different breed could be a different breed. <laughs> But we'll see. Playoffs time. I show up to the meadows. I put my cleats on and I get right to work. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got plenty of fruit snacks too, just in case, yep. right? Yes. Yes. Anything else you got, Tom? I think I can dismiss Mr. Jim here. I appreciate his time, him and Trey. And it was a, it was a special week for MLW. And if you guys haven't watched the video or for whatever reason, or if you didn't watch it in full length, um, it's a must watch. It's just a great piece of content. And once again, I think Kyle knocked it out of the park. And um, Jack and I can discuss more once we uh, let Jim go enjoy the rest of his Sunday. All right, fellas. Appreciate you guys having me on as always. Tom, Seattle yep. on the clock next weekend. Let's go. Two and two. Jim, I don't even want to talk about the Lions right now. I just, just too much pain. But all right, we'll see you later, Jim. See you, fellas. <laughs> Take it easy, Jim. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, thanks again to Jimmy and Trey for joining us. It is now Monday afternoon as Jack and I sit back down to wrap up this episode. Um, does my voice sound better now, Jack? I feel like it's noticeably like a pitch higher than yesterday. <laughs> Definitely does. You were sounding a little bit down, um, obviously not only because of the Lions, but it, your your voice definitely seemed like it was straining a little bit. I, I've have done so many of these podcasts now with you that I can really tell the difference. So I'm, I'm glad to have you uh, closer to 100%. Tom is playing hurt right now. He's playing hurt <laughs> as a podcaster. So we the, should recognize that. The one that. thing you need working as a podcaster is the yes. voice. And yesterday, the voice was not at 100%. But my <laughs> voice is never at 100%. And to be honest, as it's cracking now as I'm talking, this is kind of funny because you guys are seeing the effects of the years of my voice and why it cracks and stuff. I've never had like a good voice. Um, and I think my mom is the same way. But ever since I was a kid, like if I'm hanging out with friends all night and like yelling and screaming or if I'm... Um, going to a Tigers game or a Lions game or a Michigan State football game, whatever it may be, like the next day, like right now my voice sounds good because I didn't really yell a whole lot at that game yesterday, to be honest. You know, we're mm-hmm. we away team. I'm not I'm not a rowdy fan, but just like talking loud over the stadium noise, like that's what it does to my voice. That's been happening to me since I was a kid. So you guys heard the effects firsthand of how dead my voice gets. Like it's been embarrassing at times in my life. Where, like I'm leaving, um, like I'll go out with my friends at college. We'd leave the bar. And like my voice would be gone. They're like, "What the heck, Tom?" I'm like, "That's just how my that's how it goes. <laughs> like, I just yeah. lose my voice really easily." It's so, such an awkward thing too because it's it like because no one else either, has a voice. Yeah, because well, you're the only one, and then you're you have to explain why your voice is lost with no voice, mm-hmm. and you probably just if you if you lose your voice, it's just like not usually a great thing. Like you were either doing something where you were in a loud environment, like you said, and sometimes that's like a bar like partying or something mm-hmm. like that so then it's like oh what were you doing or like you're sick like some people lose it when they get sick um so then it's like no one wants to be around you so it's always like an awkward thing when you lose your voice but we're glad to have you back i don't know if it's because as a child i was yelling and screaming too much having too much fun yeah or if it's just genetics i think maybe a little bit of both but i definitely do not have a great voice if you guys could not already tell um from the tens of dozens of episodes we've done on the pipe it up show but Feeling a little bit better today, closer to 100%. Um, emotionally, I'm still distraught, Scarred. as you guys can probably imagine. Just years of built up, I don't know what, what even the word is for it. Frustration, probably. Just frustration yeah. and being able to not win games as an NFL fan is annoying, especially when your franchise has never won. And just seeing the pain and sorrow on the grown men's and women's faces around the stadium who traveled to Minnesota to watch the Lions to blow the game again fall short again it's just annoying like and i told you guys honestly before like i am not by any means like a ride or die like insane sports fan where i'm like emotionally woed if my team loses and that kind of stuff but it's just frustrating you know Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to the lions because we've never been good never have we been good so i feel bad for my my dad who's been a lions fan his whole life 
and like my grandparents who have been watching their whole lives like we've never had a good football team we've never won a super bowl never really come close to a super bowl mm-hmm. haven't won the division in 30 years like it's just annoying you know what i mean it's just it's just annoying it's 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 annoying i know you guys um way back when we when i started like we're saying how all you guys talk too much about like michigan or whatever Mm -hmm. or you know talk about stuff that's more related to you but i think this goes um to just sports fans in general uh the lions it's it's not always been the worst thing because if you fail without expectation it's kind of like all right well you know we weren't really expecting to make the playoffs it's not really that big of a deal Mm -hmm. but hbo just decided to absolutely sucker me into thinking that Mm -hmm. the lions were going to be a legit legit football team which i do still think they are um but it's it's way different to jack gotta give it up man yeah it's it's just way different to have an expectation and fail versus not really you know expecting much and then failing like it's just a completely different feeling Mm -hmm. um and i feel like other sports fans can also relate to that because there's in every sport in every city there's been seasons where you're kind of like well you know we'll see what happens this season or if you're say like the patriots you know back in their day it's kind of like all right if we don't go to the super bowl then it's kind of like a bust Mm -hmm. um so it's 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 a little bit different but the Lions, I sadly, I believe, are still the Lions. Um, I think we've come a long way. Our offense is really good, and our defense is just really bad. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. But the thing is, it's just, it's just. This is why I also love being a Lions fan because, like, once again, I'm I'm mature enough to kind of laugh at the situation sometimes. But just take this for example. This this season, right? My expectations were not high. I'm like, our defense is very bad. Sure, our offense is you know mediocre to to okay. But, you know, Jared Goff's not going to win us a Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. But when you go out there and you hang against the Eagles, who we can kind of tell now are a very good team, mm-hmm. you beat Washington, and then you go to Minnesota, and a Minnesota team who crushed the Packers, but then lost badly also to the Eagles. Right. I was like, okay, if we beat Minnesota today, like if we go to Minnesota and we went on the road, like, okay, now we're 2-1, and one, like, we could actually have a chance at, like, winning the North this year. Like, yes, it's early, but, like, we could be in that conversation and we had the lead. The we just whole can't time. win games. And it's think about it if you were like a Cubs fan, for example, like yeah, you you've been waiting your whole life for like a World Series championship and think about that feeling of how excited you were when the Cubs did win. Mm-hmm. That's what I want for the Lions fan base. That's what I want. It's just that rejuvenation of we did it. Like yeah. we did it. We were able to actually do it and have a good season and put it together for once. And yeah, it's just annoying. I don't want to talk about it anymore, but it's relevant my life right now the last thing i'll say on this is that it's one thing if the vikings or you know any team were were able to make like an outstanding play to win the game right but watching as a lions fan it's like that last play if you guys if you guys haven't seen it basically uh the quarterback for the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, I don't think he completed a pass over 20 yards the entire game. And then basically with 40 seconds left, he hits like a 35-yard pass to just an absolute wide-open receiver. Like there's no one within 15 yards of him. And it's like to lose like that where it's like it almost just seems like they just gave it to them, that's what that's what's really like the bummer. When you're winning the whole game and then that's how you lose. Jack, it's just, it, it, it all just, happened it just, in it's slow like, motion. It's like the knife gets stabbed and then it just it get, it it gets twisted around like three more times. It all it's like clockwork and it happens in slow motion and it's just when you're a Lions fan up twenty four fourteen like I don't feel happy. It's toxic. It's a toxic yes, no, it's relationship terrible. I have with the it's Lions. So bad. I'm thinking I have like anxiety. Like okay, how are we gonna blow this? And then it's like okay, maybe we won't blow this. Maybe we will win. Maybe we will win. Yep. And then yeah, they get the ball and I'm like, up oh, here we go. It's just a matter of time. And then. I remember, yeah, I'm watching the game. It's I'm seat, I'm sitting up high. The whole thing's in front of me, the whole field, and I like said it out loud. I'm like wide open, and then Kirk let the ball go. Like yep. it was, it was so depressing. <laughs> I did have fun though. Overall, it was a good weekend for me in Minnesota. Um, my first time being in Minneapolis. Very cool city. Um, what would you rate friend. the stadium? That's a new stadium, right? Oh, stadium was very cool. Very cool. Just like the the architecture of it's really cool. Um, I mean, it is a cool environment, like the whole school thing. Yes, it's annoying as a, as a rival, but like it's cool. The fans are pretty engaged. I also found it super cool. I've never, I never knew this. They have like fake artificial snow that comes down pregame. 
It's really sweet. Really? Like it actually snows in the stadium. Yeah. So like it get, when the hype music's playing and the, and the video, it's like there's snow raining down. It's pretty. It's All pretty right. cool. So nice. It. Uh, I. I definitely enjoyed myself. Um, I had a good weekend seeing the uh, the North Loop of Minnesota or the North Loop of Minneapolis is where I'm hanging out and um, had a good time. So it was good to see my old high school buddy and uh, have a good little fun weekend. But would have been capped off by Lions victory, but instead it's just the same old Lions. Same old, same old. Same old. Some same stuff old. just does not change. No, no. Maybe one day. Maybe our kids. So this guys, this summarizes the Lions fan base. So. I was texting both, um, you know, obviously Jack's my buddy, good Lions fan, and then Noah Daberko, big Lions fan. We always text during all the games. And this just summarizes how we're feeling, boys. So I was texting him throughout the game, and then I text him at like 3.11 p.m. So it's probably like late fourth quarter, but maybe two minutes, three minutes to go. I'm like, this is unbelievable. And he goes, coaching is horrible. And then we didn't talk for like the last two drives, right? So I just texted him at 3.45, the game was over, and I just put misery. And then this is his response. He goes, I am giving this organization one more season. My sons will not endure this. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're feeling, right? Like, it's yeah. so frustrating to root for this team. But um, for those of you out there who had a squad that won a game this weekend, congratulations. Did you watch that Sunday night game, Jack? The Niners and Broncos? That was ugly. <laughs> it was a stanker of a game. It really was. <laughs> I was I watching it like stinkers. barely, but it was. I mean, both. It was just. It was a stinky game. P.U. Dan Orlovsky, though, our old lion. He's now not the only guy to run out of the back of the end zone. Right? That was big. That was big huge. for Lions fans. That was a win for Lions fans. That was the biggest. Yeah. That was. We can. We can, we can count hang this, our hat on that one. Yes, we can hang our hat on that and count that <laughs> as a victory. Else did something stupid and it wasn't us for once. For one time, yeah. Reeling it back into MLW. Once again, thanks to Jimmy and Trey, but phenomenal series from every which angle you look at it, right? The pitching was good on both sides. There was home runs. There was epic fields, the energy, um, the momentum shifts, just everything about it. The player banter from the power going out. like It was just so dramatic, and it couldn't have been scripted any better. Um, and I wanted to give some insight to you guys that were watching the video and taking it in as to like how chaotic that day was because... Although, yes, that Fenway thing turned into a full-blown night game, like because, as you could probably tell a couple times, based on there was a play in particular where Andy Durand was in left field and the line drive was hit at him. Like, he didn't even flinch, and the ball went over his head. Um, like, it was dark. You could not see that well out there, and it was not our intentions to play a game, like, under the lights like that. We wanted to have the lights on kind of as night fell, the game ended, but we were already kind of like a half-hour behind schedule because prior to the Field of Dreams game, it just started to rain out of nowhere. So, like, me and Kyle had to stop our intro, wait a half hour, retake the field, redo the intro, mm. all that kind of stuff. So, we were already behind schedule. That game goes four innings. So, now I'm, like, nervous. I'm, like, okay, we're running a little late here. And we're also, like, on somebody else's property. Like, this is kind of uncomfortable. And then, of course, the game goes eight innings long. So, when Andy hit that home run, we're all, like, oh, it's over. And it was so dramatic and so perfect. And that was a bomb, too. I... I will probably post a TikTok um, of the like the unedited clip from the iPhone from the side that Andy home of Andy's home run, and you can just barely see the ball travel um, beyond the lights. Like that was probably the farthest home run hit this season. Wow. It was a bomb. Yeah. It was a bomb, Jack. It was so hype, and that won the Cobras the AL first time in franchise history. The Cobras are the one seed. Yeah, and the other thing that was so impressive to me is they did it without their captain there and their mm -hmm. leader uh you know at sites that are unfamiliar to them against a good diamondbacks team like mm -hmm. you can say what you want about the magic season but i do think the fact that i wasn't able to be as involved this year as i was finishing up school this summer impacted our team's performance i do believe mm -hmm. that um so to see a team like the Cobras, who, you know, Drew Davis has been the face of the Cobras basically since they've existed. And uh, for, you know, him to not be able to make it to this series and for them to show out the way that they did, I was super impressed by that. This is just a super invested Cobras team. We've talked about how well Drew is drafted with Ian Baranowski, but even guys like Flynn and Durand. I know Durand's like missed some games throughout the years because of his football career and whatnot, which is totally understandable. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, he loves the game. He loves the Cobras. He's been playing on the Cobras for a long time. And same with Sean Flynn. He's, like, now a veteran in this league. 
So they're all just invested guys. Um, I think Bean is like one of the more um, like openly passionate guys when he's playing. Like he's very, very emotional out there, and he shows it. So the Cobras are just putting it together. Ten and five finish. That's their best finish possibly ever. I don't know that off the top of my head, but it's for sure their first ever American League Championship. So congratulations to the Cobras and Cobras fans. It's a, uh, it's huge. That's important. Even if things don't go the way in the playoffs, it's like okay, we we did something this year, right? Just like yeah. I want the Lions to win the North for once. Like we we we, mm-hmm. we did something good, you know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we could go into a into a debate with this, but it's tough to argue against Sawyer and Baranowski being the best duo right now in MLW. I guess the only one you could probably say, and I'd have to check the stats, um, but I think the the one duo you could probably put above them would be Dallas and Dan. Um, yeah, just a comment, Jack. I think yeah. Dallas and Dan have a statistical nod over Baron and Bean, but I'd say that Baron and Bean are like the hottest duo right now. Like they're just mm-hmm. in sync right now. The Cobras are on fire. Um, whereas the Eagles just lost that series to the D-backs, and now need to bounce back against the Preds. So like, yeah, Bean and Baronowski, all eyes on them right now. The other thing I'll say about Bn two is, um, you know, once again, you guys only see the last pitch of the at bat, but. I would like to go back and actually um, count how many times he struck people out looking because Mm -hmm. it's one thing to be throwing strikes and guys are knowing that it's strikes and they're just not connecting for whatever reason. Um, But for him to throw that drop ball like over and over and over and over and it's hitting the zone over and over and over and over and guys are still not swinging at it like that's kind of just that should that should show the viewers how violent that pitch is and how difficult it looks to hit because as the batter you're standing there and you saw it over and over again they're seeing the same pitch and they're just watching it into the zone because it doesn't look possible to hit yeah i think with the with the way the camera was positioned at this last series um it became more apparent how late the break is on the b and drop ball it is violent. It is late. It's essentially behind you, and all of a sudden it comes crashing down into the zone. So, um, I mean, when I faced it for the first time, when me and Robles stood in there, and there was that viral sports center moment for B, and when he threw like eight of them in a row and we couldn't hit him, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was like, dang, like maybe this is what people felt like when I used to be good with this drop ball because it was no Tom. This. Like, that was what it was. <laughs> I, I, every time he throws it, I swear, every time he throws it, because that was like some of the first exposure I had in MLW was seeing videos of you throw that gypsy drop and also playing mm-hmm. against it. Mm-hmm. And I think about it every time because it's giving me, like you said, it's giving me flashbacks. It's the same thing. It's a pitch where you really have to just like, once again, think about, okay, this pitch, I know it's going to be a strike. It looks nowhere near the zone. I just got to put my bat out there and hope I connect because unless he leaves it in the heart of the plate, which is essentially going to be a ball, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it crosses your hitting zone in a comfortable position, it's probably going to be a ball low. So knowing that, you can just let that pitch go. Or if you're trying to hit a homer, sure, maybe take a crack at it. But most guys don't want to try to hit that pitch anyway. It's just moving too much. So you essentially are trying to fight off a ball, you know, a ball that's at your eyeballs crossing the plate. And that's wiffle ball, though. That's that's the name of the game. That's what makes Sawyer so good. I think that... um yeah, you definitely just have to attack it a little bit differently. And, you know, you got to know it's coming. You got to know it's going to hit the zone eventually because he's just too consistent with it. Um, and you mm-hmm. got to kind of attack it. You know, that's a pitch where the pitcher is really attacking the hitter. And I guess you got to just kind of fight fire with fire. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I guess I'm not really in a place to be giving hitting tips but that's what i would say if i was hey, you know playing better on the block though you've seen you've had a lot of at-bats in your career so. i have had a fair amount of at-bats yeah the other uh the other comment i wanted to make on this series for the d-backs is number one i think they did play pretty well um this is a good cobras team american league champs now officially um in the regular season and the d-backs battled again they battled again they did lose the series two out of three but i do think you cannot take this team lightly in the postseason whether it's us or the Eagles facing them in the DS, that is not a cakewalk by any means compared to years past in those DS series. But for the D-backs, a nice flash of success was Casey Bennett, I thought. Yep. I heard rumors of this kid pitching at the NWLA tournament. I heard he did really well, was throwing hard with movement, um, and it was nice to see it on display here in MLW. 
That slider, that's amongst the best in the league. That was a great slider. Yes. And they had the, the Cobras frustrated. There were some control issues, but not only was this his first you know, start in MLW, but it was also a foreign environment uh, and where he was kind of pitching behind where the actual mound was. So it was kind of an awkward release. I thought he did a great job. There, I don't think there's very many teams. Um, actually, maybe that's not true. But I was going to say, I mean, the Diamondbacks now have f- four people who have started yep. games. I don't know if there's another team that has had four different pitchers start. There's probably teams. There are teams that have four guys who can pitch. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of just overall depth, I mean, I think that series was huge for the Diamondbacks, right? We mentioned it before. They weren't really playing for much. Um, so Jimmy, being the smart manager that he is, uh, wants to get his younger guys involved, get them some experience, some playing time, um, some starts. And yeah, I was super impressed with Casey Bennett. Like you said, obviously the control issues, um, you know, I think he'll he'll rein that in with more time and experience and just practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has all the, all the capabilities to be another solid pitcher. So um you know, I think Trey still has a little bit of development. His pitches aren't moving as much as uh, as Casey's are, at least right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Jim to know that um, if he's ever struggling in the playoffs, he has, you know, the lefty Jonah that he can go to, uh, as well as possibly a new face in Casey to throw off some batters because no one really has any, you know, footage on him or game experience on him. Um, so that would be huge for them. Yeah, I think uh, I think about Trey and his kind of group. Um, Landon Yergaitis is also in that group, who's an eagle. I think they all have very, very bright futures in MLW. Um, sure, Trey doesn't have the most movement right now, and he's kind of just pitched okay in his rookie season, but he's so young. Mm-hmm. Um, we heard earlier this episode he's a very well-spoken kid, and I think that like he could be you know, the face of the D-backs in you know, five, six, seven years from now. So I'm excited for that kid's future and for um, Landon's as well and any other Bay City Whifflers who decide to... Uh, take on the MLW world but overall great series for both teams not too much you can be upset about either way Um, I know Jimmy's beating himself up for dropping that pop-up but besides that it was pretty clean great defense Andy made a great play Um, and it was just it was just cool what'd you think of the stirrups Jack you like that look on the field with the pants and the stirrups I was gonna say um, I was waiting for you to ask me which was my favorite field uh, even though I wasn't there and I don't know if I could pick one excluded you no it's okay I don't know if I could uh, pick one, <laughs> but what I was going to say is I think my favorite part of the whole event was the pants. And uh, I have been pushing. I've said multiple times that um, team hats would be a very cool thing. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I think, now take that back and say it should be mandatory that we all have team pants because wow. those just look so fly. And those were very... Uh, those were just white pants, you know, those were like generic. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we had like, I'm picturing like, you know, some, some white pants for the magic with maybe our new little wiffle magician logo on there and like, you know, some purple stripes on the side or something. I mean, those were so sick and it, it, it made everyone just look more professional, um, which I think was really cool. So yeah, I did love the pants. I, th- I think the pants being a thing for all teams mandatory could be a potentially a hard sell on those hot summer days at the Meadows, but I do think with the pants and the stirrups, it looked really cool. We put the Cobras, who were the home team in the series, they were in white pants. D-backs were in gray pants. Um, some players didn't mind them. Other guys, I think, were a little bit like, because they didn't play baseball, right? They never like played in a pants and a belt like that. Right. It's like, me, I'd be used to it, but other guys were not so used to that, so there was some some pushback like oh, i don't know if i like this but i was like you'll get used to it you won't even notice it throughout the day so but overall i think it, it did look really cool i can't lie with the mo- with the moxie jerseys too like with those jerseys and yeah. the stirrups i was debating on what colors to do for each of the teams when i was ordering those and um i went with just a black and white stripe for the d-backs and i did the cobra the cardinal red was the color for those i think it looked great though i think the the colors match perfectly and i don't think i would have done it any other way in hindsight no i think you did great with those i think the scheme matched up uh i thought you know everything else in the video was awesome uh the movie reenactments were pretty funny (laughs) i actually got the uh i feel bad admitting this on the podcast but i i have never seen the movie field of dreams um but it's an old movie jack shouldn't feel too bad i was watching the yeah i was watching the video with my dad and uh 
he told me I had to watch it, obviously, but I I did get the trivia question right without ever seeing the movie. I just what? randomly guessed. I randomly <laughs> guessed and I got it right and I was like freaking out. So was but. that just based off the little clip you saw of the five seconds in the video? Like, ah, 1989. Well, my dad, he guessed first. Like the trivia came up and he was like mm-hmm. 1998. And I was like, I don't know. I think that's a little bit late for this. So I went with 89 and it was 89 it was miraculous i honestly don't know how i did it he didn't believe me it's that i didn't feeling. look it up it's before a great feeling it was well, a great like, feeling jack yesterday at the vikings game my buddy andrew we get there and we sit down and he's like how many people does this stadium hold and i was like i don't know maybe like seventy-three thousand or so <laughs> i see him googling it and then it pops up seventy-three thousand. i was like oh yeah. no way <laughs> and he didn't find that as exciting as i did but i was super hyped that i guessed that on the dot <laughs> It's just like it's like the little things. It's also like when you go and you're you're pumping up your gas and like you're oh, trying yeah. to get it right on the the you know exact amount of gallons or like dollars. Like mm-hmm. it's just the little things that you get excited about. You know what I mean? The little things are sometimes the best parts of your day. Yeah. But all right, Jack. I think we can wrap this one up. Um, and we're winding down the MLW regular season. Uh, we got Magic and Mallards on the clock next week. Jack Ooh. will not be there, unfortunately. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, but, wah, wah. Um, big one for us. The Magic aren't playing for too much, but we need a sweep here if we want to stay in the one-seed um, conversation. Essentially, the situation there um, is we need to win two more games than the Eagles to get the one-seed. So say we win three games and they only win one game against the Preds, that would give us the one-seed because we'd be 11-4 and four, and they'd only be 10-5. and five. Um, If we were to win three games and they would win two games... We both have 11 wins. They'd have the tiebreaker. They would get the one seed. Does that make sense? Yep. So the only situations for us that work is if we win two or three games and they win one or zero games. So we got we got to get some dubs against the Magic here. So we're going we're going all in, Jack. I hate to say it, but we're bringing we're bringing the pain if we can. I would expect nothing less um, from the Ducks. And uh, I mean, you're gonna get your what are what are the Magic even playing for now at this point? We're gonna come right. out and and yeah, we we got pride and. Um, not really a whole lot of fame or glory, but pretty much just pride. So we're looking for a good showing from the boys and uh, looking to have some momentum going into the, the 2023 season. Jack, we won one game in our last series last year against the D-backs. We won the one game against Shima who pitched. And even though it was Shima pitching and even though it meant nothing, it was, trust me, it just felt good to win a game. So yeah, I'm sure that's kind of your guys' goal heading into this next series. Yes, exactly. Yep. But Correct, Tom. But all right, folks. I got a plane to catch here in a few hours back to the D and uh, see you on Friday on YouTube and we'll see you next week with another podcast. See you later. Peace. Sitting here just watching homework doing football. Sitting here just watching homework doing football. Watching homework doing football.